Hello and welcome to our Monday night Bible study. We are continuing our look into the book of Colossians. I think, I think that we're going to get through the first seven chap- seven verses of chapter two tonight. That's my, that's my plan. That's where I, that's my breaking, that's my stopping point. So just to give everybody a, a heads up as to, this is where we're going, so you can start looking forward to the end. Well, now, but later, too. Just so everybody knows, just so everybody knows what we're going to do, what the plan is. I always like to discuss the plans, and then we'll, we see whether or not I will, um, we see whether or not I will actually be able to do, to do the things that I have, that I have intended to do. Right now, I realize that I don't, I didn't have my slideshow up the way it was supposed to be. But now it is. So now I can transition over here and uh, eventually and be and be fancy again the way I'm supposed to be. So Paul, uh, we're continuing the thoughts from the previous chapter about the, uh, the supremacy of Christ and that Jesus is God. So that is where that is where we pick up here. He says, I want you to know, how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. Remember, I should have had my should have had my maps up. That would have been a good excuse to use my maps. Uh, re- these two churches were relatively close together, and what they would do is, Paul would write a letter to the Colossian church, and they would make copies of it as they could, and they would distribute it to the to the several or the different house churches that they had in the city, and then they would. They would then take that letter and they would bring it to bring copies of their their letter to Laodicea. Laodicea would take copies of their letter and bring it here. And the excuse me, the uh, the Corinthians would take copies of their letter from Corinth and bring it to to Colossae. And so, in this way, the they developed this library of information about how. Well, you know what? Next, the next verse. I'm gonna go. We're gonna get to that right now. Um, if I can actually get to it, here we go. This is just, this is just a terrible, just, just a terrible way to start. I apologize. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. So I'm about the churches here. I want the churches to be encouraged and I want the churches and the people in the churches to be knit together, even though they have not met me personally. I want them to have a complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. So he speaks of the churches and people that he's never met and wants to make sure that they are all teaching and believing the same thing. There was no, there was no central repository. There was no Bible as we have it. There, they had no... I mean, the Bible was being written. What they had was the Old Testament. And anytime you read in the New Testament when it speaks of the Scriptures, when it talks about what the Scriptures say, it's talking about Old Testament Scriptures or Old Testament writing or before the New Testament writings. They, they had no New Testament. They were writing it. Um, so Paul is saying here, I want, I want to make sure that everybody is teaching and everybody is believing the same thing. Everybody is going to continue to believe and teach the things that I have taught them. Um, and I, I want to make sure that you at Colossae, even though I've never been there, I want you to make sure that you are understanding and that you are, and I'm, I'm going to do my best, I just realized, I'm going to do my best tonight to try to talk slower than I did last week because I went back and listened to last week and it 
Whew. Mm, I didn't realize I could. I didn't realize I could talk that fast, but apparently, I can. So, um, Paul is saying here, I want to make sure that everybody is believing and teaching the same thing. I want to make sure that you understand who Jesus is. I want to make sure that you understand the purpose of your salvation. I want to make sure that you understand how all of these things fit together, how the Old Testament fits with the New Testament, how the covenants fit, how the relationship works. I, I, I need to make sure that you understand what this is because there are going to come times, as we are about to get into, when people are going to try to deceive you. They're going to try to tell you that Jesus is either more than or less than what... Uh, the flesh of Jesus is more than God or that he is somehow less than or a, or a second or a junior God. Um, we need to understand that Jesus is supreme and that Jesus is Jesus is God. He is the he is the express image of God. He is the icon of God. He is the he is the physical manifestation of the immaterial and spirit spirit spiritual, God. He is not he's not different than. He's a different manifestation of. And Paul is saying, I need to make sure that you understand this because there are going to come times and there are there are going to be people that are going to try to say that Jesus is not fully God. And there are people now, Colossians that are trying to tell you that Jesus is not fully God. And it, it is it is not it is not necessarily based on an attempt to deceive. It's based on a misunderstanding. I think that sometimes when people when people teach things that are contrary to our understanding of the Word of God, we have a tendency to assign an ill intent to them. And I think that sometimes it's not it's not out of an an ill intention it's out of a misunderstanding of of a basic principle and so when you don't when you don't understand these basic principles you can be confused sometimes because people sound like they know what they're talking about and they they sound impressive and they they use big words and they talk about greek and hebrew and all this stuff and so we uh I'm I'm it's I'm giggling in my brain because I know that I'm going to talk about a greek word shortly and so it's like I'm trying to pretend to be smart, but we can we can get wrapped up in what what they say, and it sounds good. But if it doesn't if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't if it doesn't quite fit with the fact that Jesus is God, then it is a thing that we we have to learn to we have to learn to reject. In Him lie all the treasures of wisdom. And knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. So here we begin uh, the first polemical in this, in the book of Colossians against false teaching. So we, we're going to talk about the methods and the philosophy of the teachers, and we will we'll learn in this section what it means to progress in our, in our walk with God. So first he says, make sure that none deceive you with well-crafted arguments. 
the first thing to note about this is this is not an exhortation or uh, a prohibition against honest questions and honest exploration of our doctrine and honest theology. If it starts with the premise that Jesus is God, then we can ask questions. We can ask it is not it is not a dishonest question to ask why do bad things happen it is not it is not intellectually prohibited here to ask what is the nature of god what is the nature of sin what what does it mean when we sin why does why does god judge why does god why does god judge some people and not judge other people why does it seem like sometimes the wicked are prospered and the good are punished why what what is it about this paul is not Paul is not saying that you can never ask a question. Paul is not saying that you should never ask a question. This is how we grow. This is how we all we all learn and we all understand and we all we all grow in anything that we do is we press against the boundaries of where we where we are and our, our limitations that we have. If you're going to learn if you're going to learn a musical instrument and the only thing you ever do is the thing that you're good at you're never going to strengthen you're never going to progress beyond a certain level if you um my brother tells me when he would go to the go to the gym i don't as i know I'm, this is going to come as a surprise to y'all and so it's just going to be between us so don't tell nobody but i don't i have not spent a tremendous amount of time at the gym in my life um but my, my brother has spent some time at the gym. And so he said it is interesting that people that are very good at bench press will come in and they will do the bench press over and over again. People that are very good at squats will come in and they will do squats. People that are good at a thing have a tendency to do the thing that they're good at rather than gravitating to the thing that they're weak at. And so you end up with people who are imbalanced in their in their fitness because they're so they're so excited about doing the thing that they feel like they're good at because that's the thing that everybody looks at him and says man you're the best you're the best bench presser in the world it's just awesome um and we we can we can be like that we can uh, we can fall into our own routines and never never press against and never ask questions and never try to understand and never never reach out and never reach beyond where we are and we can become stunted in our growth because we don't like to look at the things that we're not good at we don't like to look at and examine our our own weaknesses and so i think this is some, some of paul is not saying don't do that um what he is saying well, so there were count. Let me let me finish this thought before I go on. Uh, there were councils in the early church. There were questions that came up. How do we deal with the How do we deal with the widows of the Gentiles in uh, in the Book of Acts, Acts chapter eight, I believe, seven or eight? How do we deal with the widows of the Gentiles? And the church gets together and they come up with the office of a deacon. And we say, well, we have these deacons, and they will they will distribute. They will distribute food and wait the tables and make sure that people are treated equally. Paul comes back from one of his missionary journeys and meets with James and uh, Peter 
and they discuss why are we going to, uh, how are we going to handle Gentiles that are being converted? Do they need to be circumcised? Are they going to have to obey the the dietary restrictions? How is this how is this going to be handled? And so, this is not about not asking questions. It's not about exploring doctrine. It's not about shying away from hard questions. It is about the tendency of all of us to wander to one side of the road or the other. Um, it doesn't matter how well crafted an argument is. It doesn't matter how how good it sounds. It doesn't matter how much Greek and Hebrew you use. If it is outside the realm of biblical principles, then the argument itself is wrong. There are some foundational principles that we can't, we, we are unable to step outside. You cannot step outside the fact that Jesus is God. So regardless of what we think of as a, regardless of what we think of as a good argument or a compelling story or anything like that, Jesus Paul specifically says that Jesus is God, so this is the framework that we have to adjust our understanding of the Godhead in. So if if we start here, then it is easy to fit the other pieces together. And we have to start there because this is this is what Paul Paul says Jesus is God. So we we can we can craft an argument we can make excuses we are masters at justifying the things that we like to do and the things that we want to do and the things that that please us but ultimately when our when our good when our smart sayings and our wise wisdom conflicts with biblical principles and our smart sayings and our wise wisdom are wrong And it says just as well, hmm, I want to get there's one there's one other thing that I want to mention here. He says, I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. Um the implication being that there are two there are two sets of things that you have to do. First is you have to live as you should. There are things that you can do and things that you can't do. There are rules to living for God. There are one of the uh, one of the little headers in the Bible says that there's no rules and it's just grace. Um, but Paul says that you're living as you should. There are things there are things that you should do, and we are boy, boy. You think right now he's already at verse six, and we're just going to be done with this. But I haven't gotten to verse seven yet, and we're gonna we're gonna delve into this part a lot. So buckle up. Um, but we are. You, you have to live as you should, so there are things that we have to do. There are, there are rules that we follow. There, are, there is a way of life to the Christian life, and you have to believe you have to have the faith, right? So you, you're living as you should and that your faith is strong. So you're doing the things that you, do, you should do, and you're believing the things that you should believe. When we get hung up on one side or the other of these things, we end up in error. We end up with anger. We end up with bitterness. We end up with resentment. We end up fighting and sniping at one another because I'm so strong in the in the doing, the living, that I forget about the believing or that I get into the believing thing and I've just, as long as you believe these things, then it doesn't matter what you do, right? And so, as I have said a th- maybe a thousand times, there's a ditch on both sides of the road here. And so we can get, we get so, we can get wrapped up in one or the other of these things 
and end up pulling our car in that direction. And you can go off in the ditch, and that's a dangerous thing. But the other, the other scary part is, is that when you correct it, when you realize that you're headed in that direction, and you start trying to pull it back to the other side of the road, you can overcorrect, and you can go hard the other direction, and actually end up in the opposite ditch from the one you were scared you were going to get into. So that's just a little, just a little driving analogies there. <clears throat> As you as accepted. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. So you've accepted Christ as Lord. So there was a common greeting in this time, Caesar uh, Curios, which is Caesar is Lord. And the, the Christians changed this to Christos Curios, which, see, this is the Greek. I told you all it was coming. Christos Curios, which is Jesus is Lord. So the implication is that as Jesus is as much in control as Caesar is. So Jesus is Jesus should control every aspect of our lives as Caesar controls every aspect of your lives. The word, the word of Christ should supersede the word of Caesar. And so if Jesus says it, it's more important than if Caesar says it and you should have to listen to everything that Jesus says just as you listen to everything that Caesar says. So in in this in this uh, in this circumstance, in this analogy that Paul is drawing here, Christ is to rule our lives in every aspect as Caesar ruled the lives of his subjects in every aspect. Um, when Caesar said something, that was the rule. That was the law. That was it. It was over. There was not discussion. Caesar made a decision, and that was it. Now he could, Caesar obviously could go change his mind because some of them were insane. But you didn't get to change the mind. You didn't get to make. You didn't get to make the decision. So when God says it, His word becomes the law. His word is the law because His, in His word is well. See, I, I go down rabbit holes. So if Jesus is not the Lord, in in Latin the word is dominus, from which we get the word dominate. We get the word dominion, right? If so, Jesus is not the dominus. If he is not the Kaiser, if he is not the Curios, if he is not the Lord of my life in all of the things, in my walking, in my talking, in my decisions, in the things that I do for, and the things that I refrain from doing, if he is not Lord everywhere, then he's really not Lord anywhere. I can't have a, this part of me that is, this This part is God. This part is the one, this part is Jesus's part, but this other part is my part, right? That That's not, that, that will, that will never work. So, mm, y'all see again, y'all think, y'all think I'm going fast because we're already to seven. But I'm only on page four of eight, so there's a lot of stuff in seven that we're going to get into. Let your root, let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So you let the roots grow down. Roots, roots don't grow down in a day. Here we go. If you expect a tree to be a tree. The day after you plant the seed, you are going to live a life of disappointment and probably should take more horticulture classes. But, on the other hand, if a tree is still not a tree after 75 years, there's something else going on. There has to be regular, progressing growth. 
if there's not regular progressing growth, there's a problem. Growth is expected and growth is demanded in all of us. There is a process of growth that we all have to go through and we cannot sidestep any portion of this and expect to be what God wants us to be. So, here we go. This is, this is, this is me and my analogies. And so, <laughs> right or wrong, right or wrong, we're going to delve off into it. We're born. And very little is expected of us, right? You nobody, nobody gets mad at the newborn because he didn't get a job and help with the rent. It's just you did. Nobody expects him to shop for groceries. And there's very little discipline of a newborn, right? Newborns can do things. Uh, newborns can do things that teenagers can't do, and they can get away with it. Does that? Okay. Hopefully. Hopefully, we all understand what I'm talking about. And and the infant doesn't get grounded for not doing the dishes. It just that's not the that's just not the way it works, right? Because little is expected of the infant, and little is demanded of the infant. You move to the toddler stage. As you get a little bit older, the responsibilities grow, and you start learning right from wrong based on what gets you in trouble and what gets your hands swatted or your iPad taken away, right? And so you learn to do things that don't make your parents mad. You learn to do things that don't bring the unwanted attention in the ire of the parents. And you can almost sit quietly over here. And the relationship is based on, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble, right? Then you move to a stage. As, as, as you get older, you progress through childhood. And I'm skipping some, you know, teenage years. But you get to a point where you're going to get grounded, but you're the, the punishments change, the punishments are different, but you get to a stage where you do things, you, I'm not going to do the thing that I know makes them makes my parents angry because that look of disappointment, right? That's worse than any beating you've ever gotten in your life. It's worse than any grounding in the world when you know that you just, you just disappointed your parents, right? Um, and I'm so I'm still doing things but I'm doing, I'm doing these things, I'm making decisions based on the avoidance of the bad, based on the avoidance of a circumstance, based on the avoidance of me feeling, I don't want to feel bad. So initially, I don't want to get my hand swatted, and then I don't want to get spanking, and then I don't want to get grounded, and then I don't want to feel like I disappointed somebody. And so I'm making these decisions, and I'm doing what I'm doing based on the avoidance of a, of a bad consequence. But then, as as the relationship develops, and this is with this is with any relationship, this is a marriage relationship, a, a child a child parent relationship, a, a friendship. You you were less concerned with. You stop doing things because you don't want to get in trouble, and you start doing things because you want to please. Right? I want to make you happy. I want to do the things that I know bring a smile to your face. I don't just want to not do the things that I know make you sad. I'm still, now understand, I'm still not doing the things that bring the negative feelings. I'm still not doing the things that are going to bring problems. I'm still not doing what we would call the sinful things, right? I'm still not committing the sins. I'm still, I'm still not doing that. But now I have become proactive and my nature is to not do those things. 
And now I am looking for ways to please. And I'm looking for ways to please the please the parent, please the wife, please God. I'm looking for ways because the relationship has developed to this point. So if I stop, if I stop the development of this relationship anywhere, eventually the relationship is going to fail. If I can't move to the point where I am, I have learned, I've, I've moved away from the fear of sin and the wages of sin, and I've moved to what is called the beauty of holiness, and that's not just external what you wear, but it is, it is the beauty and the joy that comes from doing the good. It's the joy that comes from the fullness of the good. And so not doing the one comes naturally. So as an example... You you tell you tell the four year old to clean their room, right? And uh, having been around four year olds and having been a four year old, I know that sometimes sometimes four year olds aren't the greatest at cleaning their rooms, and sometimes there needs to be discipline that is involved in having them clean their rooms. And so then they get a little bit older, and you still have to tell them to clean their rooms, right? And then they get a little bit older and they start cleaning their rooms because this is a thing I can do that makes them happy. This is the thing I can do that makes mom and dad happy is I can keep my room clean. And so I know that if I do these things, I can avoid punishment. And then it moves to I can do these things and I can make them happy. But then at the end of it, the final result is the fact that they learn to have the discipline to clean their room now helps them have the discipline to study their homework, now helps them have the discipline to to work hard at work, now helps them have the discipline to keep their car clean, has the discipline to help them keep their offices clean. And so all of these things were not for the good of the parent. Ultimately, ultimately the discipline that was learned was for the good of the child. And so the things that we do, the things that we work towards are not because we can add to and because we can somehow make God better. It is because in fully participating in the holiness and the goodness of God, we become better and it is for it is for our good. Oh, here we go. Evil is less a thing and more a deprivation or a perversion of a thing. Darkness, as darkness is a deprivation or an absence of light, so evil is a deprivation or an absence of a good. It is the thing. So the things that you reach for in sin, the things that you try to get, the things that you try to grab hold of, the pleasures that come from sin are not full pleasures because they are perversions of the good. Uh, the the lie is easy. The truth is hard. But the truth is the good thing. And so and when you but when you've had both of these, when you've had the fake and you've had the counterfeit and you've had the real, then you understand that the disordered cannot measure up to the ordered. And so the 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 thing that was just that was working towards a disordered or uh, or a, an immoral as we say, the immoral end can never measure up to the good that is worked toward the ordered the rightly ordered end when everything is focused and moving towards God. So when we experience what it means to be in this that this level of relationship with God, the 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 stuff that the the sinful that's what that's what Paul is talking about when he's talking about this laying aside the sinful stuff. It is not it's not a problem. He's not he's not speaking about 
the fact that it doesn't matter that you don't that you don't do those things. He's not talking about the fact that you can just continue to live any way that you want to live. What he's saying is that once you reach this level of relationship, this stuff is no longer a question. It's not it's not about whether or not I'm going to I'm going to break these rules or do these things because I won't want to do those things because the relationship has moved to the point where I'm working decisions that I'm making are made based on what pleases God, right? Um, this again, we're not saying there's no boundaries. The nature, the nature of a relationship are defined by what the boundaries are. Right? The, the nature of a marriage relationship are defined by the boundaries. There are certain things, there are certain boundaries in a marriage relationship that you don't have in a, a workplace relationship, that you don't have with with your buddy, that you don't have with your boss. If you in fact if you tell me the nature of the boundaries, I can probably tell you what the relationship is, because relationships are defined by boundaries. So it's not that there are not it's not that there are not rules. It's not that there are no restrictions. It's that the restrictions don't matter because your focus is not on them. Because I'm not worried about what the restrictions are and about what the rules are and all that stuff. What I'm worried about is what can I do today to please the one that I love? What can I do today to make the one that I love happy? What can I do today to make the one that I love smile? And when we get to that level in our walk with God, we have just started to understand the fullness of what God really has for us. And I made it all the way through everywhere that I wanted to go and boy, we're going to start getting into some of these growth stages next week. So until then, thank you so much for uh, for spending another 30 minutes listening to me ramble. And I love you and God loves you and I will see you next week. Lord bless you.